Welcome to Working Smarter, presented by Calabria, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We're glad you're joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hookstra, product evangelist for Calabrio, and my guest today is Chris Warticki. Chris is actually a pretty good friend of mine, and we've gotten to know each other pretty well, but uh, Chris is the vice president of customer experience at Epicor. And what's really, really cool is customer experience and customer success are really big points of emphasis. Uh, and we'll get into the reasons why for a lot of organizations. And, you know, we talk a lot about customer retention um, and how to really turn that into. And the good news is we've got a lot of uh, active and attentive listeners who are really into that kind of thing. So, Chris, it's really great to have you here. But the first thing I really want us to talk about is maybe some of the definitions of what we talk about, right? We hear a lot of terms thrown out, CX, customer experience, customer success, customer service, customer journey, all those things. Um, maybe let's spend a few minutes kind of laying out what all of those kind of actually mean to you and uh, maybe how people can focus on some of the differences. Certainly, Dave. First of all, thanks for having me. Really enjoy um, our partnership that we've had together over the last uh, year or so. But more importantly, um, we share a lot of the same philosophies. And, and when it comes down to, let's call it the overall customer uh, in, its, in of itself, there are terms that get prefixed by the word customer that are used interchangeably. And I think it is important that we understand that there's a distillation that needs to take place. So for the audience out there, if you hear the terms customer service and customer satisfaction and customer success and customer experience, and you hear them often being used interchangeably, I think it's important that you stop, pause, and say, okay, what are we exactly talking about? And so I look at it in four, four different ways. First of all, customer service. You know, we hear this from a legacy perspective. We think of a department, right? You, thought, you think about the return department in a retail store or the complaint department in any organization. When in actuality, what customer service is, it's a skill. And it's a skill that you and I possess. It's a skill that everybody possesses. possesses. But more importantly, everybody um, has this skill to grow upon. So that means some people have really great customer service skills and other people don't. Um, it's all at different degrees. But <clears throat> this customer service aspect is how we actually engage with our customers. These are transactions. And here's the biggest pitfall. We think of every transaction as an experience. So that customer service engagement has been morphed into what we now call customer experience. And so uh, that's where I, I like to stop for a minute. Customer experience is not just the transaction. Okay, so to put it in real world terms, I walk into a subway and order a sandwich and receive a, a fair to mid uh, customer service uh, approach. That is, that, that transaction is not my customer experience. 
the the customer experience is every single time I've ever walked into a subway in my entire life. Is that the, is that what you're okay? That's exactly it, Dave. I think that's a perfect analogy. If I ask you, hey, what's what's been your experience with Subway or with X, Y, and Z company? You are thinking about your entire creative to present. You know everything from the past to the present. Now, it's often. Um, it's, it's very common for people to think about the recency effect, like your most recent Subway sandwich or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but will that one transaction or engagement really um, take you to a point of disloyalty? Well, you'll never go back again if it was a negative experience, right? Or do you have empathy where you're like, you know what, the majority of my engagements have been positive. I'm going to give them, you know, a little grace and I'll come back again. It would have to be a fantastically bad experience yeah. for that to truly happen, right? Well, and I think, and, you know, we hear the studies all the time where it says, you know, one bad experience won't bring them, won't, won't push them away, but two will, right? And that, that's kind of where we get to the patterns of customer experience. But is that, maybe that's the point you're trying to make. <laughs> I think another great example, Dave, is, uh, you know, you and I have done our fair share if we can fly our miles and probably many of your audience members too. And if you say, you know, what's been your history with X, Y, and Z airline? And you'd be like, man, I've been flying them since I was seven years old, right? And some of those experiences were really great, but, but along the, the journey of, a, of, let's say, a flight, there's a luggage experience, there's a check-in experience, there's a, these relationship touch points are going to be positive or negative and have an overall influence whether you're going to fly that airline again, right? So that's how we need to look at every relationship touch point with our customers. In your own organization, what are those touch points? What is the level of customer service that everyone in the organization has and how is that being uh, interpreted by the customer, right? Okay. So now the second knowing, piece, oh, the good. second piece, that, yes. the, the second piece, kind of with your subway analogy, is then then you're saying, as a result of that engagement with that person over the counter, over the phone, online, was that positive? Was it negative? Was it neutral? And that's that that measurement is customer satisfaction. Okay. So we've we've kind of laid out customer service, customer experience and customer satisfaction. So maybe let's start, uh, you know, actually let's not start at the very beginning because I think there are, there are tons of resources out there on how to kind of improve the customer service of people, right? More empathy. And, you know, you and I have done this long enough to know that it usually is the person and their life experiences and what led them to that point. Um, yeah. Also, whether they're being paid and managed appropriately, um, I always laugh. You can walk into almost any establishment anywhere and almost immediately tell if the employees are being paid well, right? right. Because that's that's a customer service process, right? And uh, th- th- those those things I feel like are constantly in the in the minds. But let's talk about customer experience. Um, how can an organization? look at the, the whole instead of the, just the, the individual part of the experience. And what are some maybe practical things they might be able to do to kind of make sure that they're focusing in the right place? Okay. So you, you've, you've summarized it really well. The customer experience 
is the total of all in, interactions and engagements that a customer has with your with you, with your company, your organization, et cetera. And so when we look at the journey that a customer has, we have to understand that every part of that journey has its own experience or engagement or process, right? There, how, did the com- mm-hmm. how did the customer become aware of your name as a company, right? How did, what was the brand awareness journey? What was the, the pre-sale? Maybe there was a demonstration. Then there was a post-sale follow-up. Then there was an implementation in the, in the case of software companies, right? Then there's a go-live experience. Then, and, and the first thing to do is, is to look at that entire timeline and say, first of all, what do we know already by the, the feedback, by the measurements, the surveys, the transactions, what do we know that our customers have concerns about? Have they told us about? Or what, have, what do we already know, kind of like the baby is ugly? What do we know needs to be fixed? Don't try to fix the entire customer journey all at one time. Don't try to boil the ocean, proverbially. But pick those areas where I can share with you in, our, in my own uh, experience, uh, we looked at just the provisioning process, the time to provision a SaaS environment. We knew that there was issues. So we didn't focus on the whole journey. We took a piece of that journey, and then we were able to dissect it, map it out, and figure out how to improve it. And then we do it not just for a segment of customers. We don't do it just for a portfolio, but we do it for everybody. Okay, so now now you've <laughs> really thrown a wrench in the gears because uh, the trend seems to be, well, I wouldn't call it a trend. This has been happening since the dawn of time with uh, any organization that has customers is uh, how do we, how do we keep the whales happy? How do we keep the, the, the big ones uh, really yes. going to the right process? And you're, what you're saying to me here is that this particular part of focus needs to be on every single thing, not just the the ones that are quote unquote important to the organization. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to set up, first of all, customer success in of itself as a theme is doesn't doesn't uh, evolve around one person, one title or one team. That my mantra is take whatever your title is, put a comma after it and write customer success. So if your team in your organization, whatever it is, whether you are customer facing or not, should have a customer success or process improvement objective. How do we make it easier for our either internal or external customers to how easy how much easier is it to do business with us? How do we make it easier? How do we reduce the effort? And if you're sitting there going, ah, we don't, we don't talk to customers. We don't, we're not customer facing. Well, that's, a, that's an attitude of, of a very union-like attitude. Like, like the, the line stops here. So the plumber can't fix the, you know, the pipe to the, from the house to the street. You've got to call the city for that. No, that's not it. We have to look at this in a holistic view where every group, every line of business is passionate about improving the overall engagement and service level to our customers. That's the customer experience. 
So if we're looking, let's let's take this from maybe a less organizational uh, standpoint and and look at it a little more transactional, right? Because a lot of our listeners are very context center focused, right? Very, very spending a lot of their time on you know every call coming in and and how do, how to how do you get for lack of a better term, a frontline employee, how do you get a frontline employee to worry about customer experience and not necessarily customer service? Mm. So I think one of the biggest things that even a frontline employee or new employee needs to understand is what's the standard that this organization has for me to, to, to work at? That's important. And that's where most... Uh, companies, I think, do a disservice by saying we got to over delight and super delight and over wow our, our customers each and every time. Because unfortunately, you can't. And so therefore, you're yep. going to give super high highs and super low lows. So back to your, your anecdote there is to say, you know, to a frontline employee, when you're focused on the, the customer service, right, you shouldn't be focused on super delighting them, let's focus on delivering the same standard level of service that you have been trained to do, and at least, at a minimum, give that standard. Anything above and beyond that, okay, but at least a customer can expect that standard every time. Organizationally, then we ratchet it up. Take it up, you know, next year we go from good to great. The year after that, we go from better to the best. And... So I think we know that one of the the key the key factors in this equation in especially kind of over delighting the customer is that a lot of times the customers view over delighting as uh, tip the scales completely towards me and not towards the business, right? Mm-hmm. It's you know oh um, I mean look, my wife. Uh, is a big fan of the, um, you know, order at the grocery store, drive up and uh, have them load the groceries in your trunk and 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 then go home, which so that's a pretty great customer service transaction, right? And I don't even yeah. have to get out of my car. I just show you my phone. You throw the stuff in the back. But one of the key uh, problems with that particular one, and I'm getting uh, giving you a little insight into the Hookstra household here, is uh, <laughs> often when she orders produce, um, it's not the freshest one in the store. Uh, so many, many times she has to then follow up with the company and say, you know, the this celery you gave me like expired yesterday, right? And, you know, usually they're very good at that particular process. And so when we look at the sum of that whole experience, it's almost zero sum, right? It's great experience followed by a less, and then it kind of averages out over. Um, and I'm going somewhere with this. My point is, is that my wife is often... I won't say tempted, but it, it, it pops into her mind to maybe take advantage of this scenario because the second she contacts the company, they're saying, oh, we'll refund it and send you another one. Great. Uh, now I have two of what I need and, and, and I didn't spend any money on it. And uh, she doesn't do that, by the way. But the, the idea is that uh, the over delight often has to come at the expense of the organization and not yeah. at the expense of customer or the process. So how can we as leaders um, teach our organization to 
delight, but still maintain some semblance of approach towards the business. Does that yeah, make sense I, with the question that I'm asking? Certainly does. And you know, your your spouses uh, and I are, are of the same thread uh, when it comes to produce <laughs> uh, purchasing and 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 the expectation and almost now the entitlement behind it. And like you mentioned, the temptation. And that has actually um, has a ripple effect throughout all of our consumer purchases because we have an expectation that all companies should be, you know, packaging my goods and, you know, walking them out to my trunk and pack, you know, putting them away and everything um, for us. Um, And not everybody does. But at the same time, when we're looking at um, the actual business leadership, they have a responsibility and an accountability to what is lost, I think is, is lost, and that's inspection. It's not just about a series of KPIs, but it truly is about individually account, individual accountability, team accountability, and organizational accountability. We may set some certain goals or objectives, but if those goals and objectives aren't reviewed in a manner you know, the last thing everybody wants to do, by the way, and roll their eyes is when you mention the words QBR, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Here we go again. We're going to just look at a bunch of charts, slides, and graphs, and all this other stuff. Death by PowerPoint. Quarterly business a- review, for those of you who don't know what a QBR is. Chris and I both roll our eyes like, oh, no. But there are a lot of people maybe that don't know what that means. But right. go ahead. Yeah, a quarterly business review, an account review, anything like that. If we are not actually learning from those, if we're only reporting the news of what used, of what happened in the past, it, it's 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 rote, it's trite, it's it's useless. What are we doing to make the news? It's sitting there as a grocery store manager and saying to our staff, you know what? We've had X amount of returns in the produce department because we're not looking at the expiration date. It's because we're not looking at the quality of the fruit that's going out. Or, by the way, when we look at it and it looks great, we packaged it in a way that it got bruised and damaged, right? What can we do as an organization to reduce the amount of returns or refunds? Because all of that has a cost. We may think we don't see it, we won't see it, but eventually we're going to see it in the cost where Pennies go up, you know, inflation occurs, you know, naturally where it's like, well, we're refunding all this, all this money. We got to start jacking up the prices to make up for the refunds. So I think it's a lot of accountability. The, and it's funny because um, my devil's advocate mind goes to, oh, they're teaching these people to find the mo- the oldest one in the pile so that they can get rid of them and hoping that no one says anything, right? And I know that's that's probably a cynic's view of, uh, of things, but I would say that um, if your organization has a implemented policy that teaches people to, you know, take advantage of the customer, maybe that's a good place to start (laughs) is, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, this is absolutely happening, but it's kind of like how I, I have this, I I hesitate to call it a conspiracy theory because I don't want to get people riled up, but I have this, there's, there's certain doctor's offices, and this is a very uniquely American healthcare problem, but there are certain doctor offices that uh, quote unquote, miscode their billing 
and uh, it generates more revenue for the doctor's office. But uh, if you call and say, hey, this is a problem, they say, oh, we'll take care of that, no problem, knowing that it was a problem and hoping that a lot of people won't notice. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't, can't put it past organizations to have loosely implemented policies to do this because they want to get rid of this without spoilage or, you know, that kind of thing. But it also kind of introduces a level of distrust with your with your customer base if that is truly coming through. And, you know, I, I yeah. didn't I didn't intend for us to get into conspiracy theories on this one, Chris. But, uh, oh, no, Dave, you know, Dave, I, I always get the coldest fries going through the drive through <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> for some we- reason. Yeah, we, we have now taken to always ordering our fries with no salt so that they have yeah. to make them fresh every time. Right. right. And yeah. So, see, and the, the, what it, what it, uh, customers get smart, right? Customers are there. They, they will eventually find the way to overcome your potentially negative policies. Or let's, let's say it's not even on purpose. Your, uh, you know, your less than attentive policy or yeah. things like that. Do tend to occur. And, you know, we're talking about a lot about grocery stores and, and fast food restaurants and that kind of customer experience. But when we get to the more enterprise level customer experience, it's, you know, uh, customers who call in because there is a billing issue uh, or, or something to that effect. Um, sure, the customer would rate you five stars every single time if you just said, oh, you know what, we'll just wipe out the whole bill. But that's... Yeah. That's not um, a lot of this uh, kind of comes back to uh, one of my favorite words is empowerment, right? Being able to empower your organization. I'm wondering if you've perhaps seen or can talk a little bit about how an organization might empower those people to make those kind of decisions and, and if there's an economic benefit to it. Yeah, Dave, you know, there's a there's a that word has lost its meaning over the last 25 years, I believe. Um, we, we've created policies um, and business practices that handcuff the employee from making the right decision. And by the way, making the right decision doesn't mean giving everything away for free. Okay, that's not empowerment. Okay, mm-hmm. but it, it, is, it is really truly trusting the employee to engage in a relationship with the customer in a way that is, a, that is meaningful, right, that builds trust. And, and holds um, both parties to, to a continued relationship, not a one-sided, hey, I have a billing problem, you know, you know clear my invoice for me, right? Make it, that's, that's not going to make it better, by the way. That's, right. And the empowerment comes on, how do we prevent the invoice problem from happening in the first place? The empowerment is in how do I, um, how am I enabled to bring my thoughts and ideas to the organization to improve process, to create process, or to reduce the effort that both I and the customer have to engage in to begin with. That's where the empowerment, the empowerment is in, um, is prior to the result of saying to a customer, I'm sorry, your invoice is wrong. Let me go ahead and take care of that for you. Uh, and reissue you a new one with the correct that's what, amount. That's what it should be. That's that's right. not empowerment, right? That's <laughs> right. that's that's what would happen if if I came in front a tribunal of three judges and pled my case. They would all agree that this is what needs to happen. That's right. not empowerment. That is simply 
making a the, the customer uh, service part of the transaction appropriate to what it should be, right? And, yeah. you know, I'm sure we've all had those moments where we're just like, I don't think you're understanding what I'm telling you here, right? And yeah. oh, thankfully, the, I, I find that those are usually few and far between, although I seem to have some friends who, like, never seem to have those <laughs> moments with when they deal with those kind of things. So you're, what what you're saying is that empowerment really should not be about customer service and power should be empowerment should be about customer experience and, yeah. and, and overall umbrella of the life cycle of the journey. Yeah. The, and, and the customer successes um, is saying, let's, let's use your example about the billing and invoice. Let's say I'm in the billing department and I work with all of these customers in a transactional customer service way, you know, same, same type of work each and every day. Right. Well, why not take a segment of that of those bills of those invoices of those customers and own it and say you know what you know i would love as a member of this team of this organ to take you know i'll still handle the transactions but i see this customer come in a lot how about i take care of them right why do i right. why do they have to go to you know bob jim and sally you know throughout the organization when I can, when I know, I've I've come to know them. I've come to understand their business, and why not know it and understand it better, and build a longer term relationship with them to to improve the overall experience. It might not be able to be scalable. I'm not saying it needs to be done scalable for all customers, but at the same time, in parallel, how do we go ahead and improve the process for all customers? Right. 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 Well, you, you bring up you bring up kind of the last point I wanted us to talk about. You mentioned the words customer success and, mm. you know, in, in a vacuum, if I say customer success, it's basically customer experience. Right. It's basically uh, what, what we've talked about. But knowing that organizations have started to focus on this because uh, annual recurring revenue is now a big deal for a lot of organizations, right? Keeping people uh, under contract and keeping them happy has has really started to focus on the idea of customer success and more specifically customer success departments. Uh, mm. That And you have a really interesting take on customer success. Now I'm kind of setting you up here, but uh, what, what's your take on customer success departments in organizations yeah so uh, I'll give you I'll give you the story the little brief history for your audiences I was brought into my current organization to, to create a customer success uh, program and they're you know we're a 47 year old software company at the time and I said do you mean in the absence of, of a customer success program you don't care about customer success for the last 47 years <laughs> Right. I mean, it's rhetorical, right. but it, but no, it, it's not. And, and but the answer was, well, everybody else has, has got a customer success, you know, management team or something like that. Uh, so should we? Well, that's what what does it mean to have customer success? That's at the end of the day. We all handed our business cards and told our customers to call us anytime there was a problem. Well, there comes a breaking point where then they don't want, we don't want them to call us anymore. So we got to just create a customer success program in order to take those calls. And that's not customer success. That's whack-a-mole. That's, that's not fixing the problem where it exists, in your product, in your service, in your delivery, wherever it exists, in that journey. And Right, because and, in theory, that, that customer should be able to call anybody in your organization and get that same level of 
customer service, right? Exactly. And, but the problem is, is that we 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 tricked we tricked everybody into thinking that they, they need a different level of success. Well, it's like why why not just teach the, the everybody to do what these people are doing and and we're good, right? Precisely, Dave, and that's why I say customer success is everybody's responsibility. Just take your title, put a comma after it, and write customer success, and it'll change the way you view your job. So it doesn't it doesn't rest within one team, one title, one person. It is everyone's job. It's saying, how do we get to understand our customers' business better? How do we align their business objectives with what we do as a as a server or a seller of a service or a product, right? And so you guys have a, a really great like ambassador. Uh, type uh, engagement program, right? At your organization, yes. you know, um, you don't. Everybody's an ambassador. That's what I'm saying. It, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, you've, you've got a badge. It has the same business logo on it. You know, we're, we're all part of the same team, and we should be able to create programs or projects or initiatives that help all customers be successful, not just a handful. And so some customer or some companies might have a thousand people doing this customer success program. Some like mine only have less than a dozen, but how does it scale? It, it scales in that, in, in a philosophy and in, actually in a culture of continuous process improvement about looking at how do we improve the customer service skills of all of our individuals? How do we go ahead and measure accurately the results of those transactions, all of them, web, phone, email, online, everything, all those conduits. Do we have alignment with our customers' uh, business objectives? And then the sum total of that is the customer experience. So it wraps it all together and it builds upon it, it, each other. So you're saying we should just get rid of customer success altogether, is what you're saying? Uh, yes, uh, to be provocative, to be provocative, I would agree with that statement. But in, in, in the ineffectually in saying it's it's got to be, you know, within our blood, it's got to be within our quarterly or annual objectives. How are we as a as a team, as a group, as a line of business? What's our customer success goal? How do we make all customers successful with this product, with this service, with this website, with this tool, with this widget, whatever it is? Right. Right. And, and so, you know, as to be provocative, yes, you are saying that. But for organizations that do have a customer success program, it, it's it's really about making sure your customer success program is not just the place to dump problematic customers. It is Absolutely. It, it is it is should it should be the way that we we genuinely find ways to promote customer success throughout the the organization yes you do sometimes you do need that customer that that receives a particular level of focus from somebody who is particularly good but how do you take that person who's particularly good and make sure that the rest of the organization is fulfilling that same process that's really the key yeah. to a customer success organization you, you hit the nail on the head, Dave. If your customer success program is focused on reactive crisis management, project management, incident management, case management, survey management, all you're doing is you have – what you are is you have a critical accounts team. You do not have a customer mm-hmm. success team. You have members that are going, me, my, I, what can I do for my account and my account only? And I don't care about the, the tens or thousands of others of customers that are out there having the exact same problem. 
I only care about fixing the transaction of the day. Now, that's where I use this other term called customer advocacy because it's needed. But a customer advocacy are for those customers that are sideways in a ditch. They need temporary re remediation. They're not uh, dying on the operating table yet, okay? But they need 30, 60, 90 days short-term fix it and then remediate it and then you, you want to cut the cord and let the customer stand on their own two feet again. You got to rehab it and make sure it doesn't happen again, right? So right. that's how I look at, that's how I term customer advocate. Well, doesn't every customer need an advocate? No, because they all shouldn't be sideways in a ditch. Shouldn't every customer right. be successful? Yes, but that's because our business processes are, are streamlined. You know, customers, let, let me give your audience a quote to write down. Customer success should not replace what's already in place. There's a product in your, if there there's you a go. problem in your product, go to development, go to the manufacturer. If there's a problem in your implementation, go to consulting. If there's a problem with support, go to support. Customer success is so far down the line, post go live, post support, post implement, all that stuff. We, that's why we need to marble customer success in every part of the customer journey. See, I, I actually like that quote better. We need to marble customer success into the entire customer journey. And the, the, the visual of marbleizing something, I think that works perfectly. Well, they, there yeah. you have it, man. I think there's no better way to kind of end the discussion here is to kind of couple quotes to take with the, the really hammering the point home. And that's exactly why I wanted to have you join us on the, on the podcast here. So, um, first of all, I really appreciate the time you spend with us. It's been, uh, enlightening. And I think a lot of great information that's out there. Dave, my pleasure. Look forward to uh, working with you and seeing you again. Take care. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for those of you who are listening, as always, we super appreciate the time you give us. Um, it always makes me feel great to know that there's even one person who wants to hear this, let alone uh, all of you that, that spend your time with us here on Working Smarter. So from me uh, and the rest of the Collaborator team, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to uh, the next episode. And a huge thank you to our guest, Chris Wartiki from Epicor. He's a uh, Super, super great to have on and uh, always want to make sure we have, we have room for you whenever you want to join us. So thanks, Chris. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. And from uh, Dave here and the rest of the Collaborator team, have a fantastic rest of your week. And we'll see you on the next episode of Working Smarter.